We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God. Thank you, Alex, and welcome again, my friends, to another opportunity for us to fellowship together here around the Word of God at this uh, radio microphone and, and speaker and program and station and uh, radio set and all that good stuff. We're certainly glad you've joined us today, and we trust that our time together in God's Word will be a real blessing and help to you as we look again, as we do every week at this time, at the wonderful grace of God, all that God has, has, has accomplished for us in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that God is free to do for us because of Calvary. Uh, God's grace is a wonderful thing. And Paul, uh, in Galatians chapter number 5, says uh, he, there, there's a verse of Scripture that, uh, you know, is, is sort, of a, sort of a hallmark of grace. When Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, stand fast in God's grace and the liberty that God's grace provides, and don't be entangled again with the yoke of religious legalism that binds the believer, that binds your life, that only does in your life, the law can only do for you uh, as a believer what it did to you when you were an unsaved person. Uh, and that is condemn you. You can never perform adequately. You can never perform su successfully and live the Christian life. Only Jesus Christ can live his life. And the good news of the gospel is that just like Jesus, you couldn't save yourself, and Jesus Christ went to Calvary and saved you by his grace and for his glory through his finished work at Calvary, the good news is, is that when you trusted him, he, simply, he did not simply give his life for you at the cross to be your substitute redeemer. He did that, wonderful as that is, to pay for all that's wrong with you so he could forgive you all of your sins and give you a right standing before God, an absolutely complete, perfect standing in the presence of Almighty God. The doctrine is called justification, where he could declare you righteous because all of your sins have been put away. And he was, he, he, God made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we could have uh, a, a new identity in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't just simply uh, make an end to sin at the cross where the, work of, where the work is done and it's finished. But he also gave us his life because he just didn't simply die at Calvary. He was raised again the third day. And he gave his life for us at Calvary so that he could give his life to us when we trusted him as our Savior. And the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were placed into a living oneness with him. And your spiritual history became his spiritual history. You were in him. Before you got saved, you were in Adam. In Adam all died. In Christ shall all be made alive. You, you, you were transferred out of Adam, uh, that wonderful verse in Colossians 1.13, uh, where he talks about how he has translated us into the kingdom of, uh, uh, from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You were translated. You were, you were transferred from, you remember Enoch? The Bible says that he, uh, that he walked with God and then that he was not, for God took him. And Hebrew says he was translated. <laughs> he was taken from one place and put all the way over into another place. Uh, taken from earth and put into heaven. 
Well, you were taken out, you and I, as when the moment we trusted Christ, were taken out of Adam and put into Jesus Christ, a completely new location, a new position. And the new position gives us a new identity. And in Christ, we have not just the forgiveness of our sins, as wonderful as that is, that's simply taking away the negative, but we have his righteousness placed to our account. That's accentuating the positive. If you've ever been in debt and, uh, and owed money and gotten to the place where you paid off all of your debt and you were, without, you were out of debt once and for all, and you, you know how liberating and wonderfully relieving that feeling is to burn up the, the, the mortgage payments and to burn up the, the, uh, the, the, the debt uh, that, that you have and to be on a, on a free basis from the debt. But you also know that the rent comes due the next month, and just because you got out of debt didn't mean you had any disposable income and any savings. And as wonderful as it is to get out of debt, it's that much more wonderful to all of us to also move on to having money in the bank, disposable income in the bank, savings in the bank. Uh, one financial advisor years ago that I, I heard talk about. Uh, uh, planning your finances, he says you ought to all, you, you should always have X number of money uh, of dollars in the bank, and he was talking about like having something like a year's income and savings, and he said call that your attitude money, <laughs> and he, he said keep that in the bank and how that's your attitude money, and the the point was and the idea is that that gives you a certain sense of liberty that no matter what else is going on, you know you have some resources in the bank. Well, see, forgiveness is the getting out of debt. Justification is you got some resources in the bank. And that's wonderful. And uh, you find out that Jesus Christ, through the cross work, forgave you your sins, and his resurrection life puts you some assets in the bank, puts you in Christ, and you get this wonderful standing in him, this new identity in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, stand fast in that liberty. Now, freedom uh, and liberty to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, motivated by gratitude, motivated by love and appreciation for all that God has done for us in Christ. That's why Galatians 5 verse 6 goes on to say, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Um, the thing that makes you strong, the thing that will help you avail, be strong and overcoming in your Christian life, is not religious performance, not circumcision nor uncircumcision. Now, once in God's program and his dealing with the nation of Israel, it made a difference whether you were circumcised or uncircumcised. Uh, if you go to Ephesians chapter number 2, uh, you'll see very clearly that there was a time past in the Bible where circumcision, Ephesians 2.11, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometime were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see, there was a time in God's dealing, he calls it time past, when circumcision and uncircumcision absolutely made a difference. And if you were not of the circumcision, if you were uncircumcised, then you were on the wrong side of the middle wall of partition. You were without God, without hope, without any promises, outside of, the, of what God was doing. But Paul says God has changed that program. We don't live in time past. We live in the but now. He said, well, where is time past, Brother Rick? Well, go find in your Bible. 
uh, where God was dealing with people on the basis of the distinction between the circumcision and the uncircumcision. And you'll find where uh, time past is. For example, Romans chapter 15, verse 8, Paul says, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister, talking about his earthly ministry recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. In other words, in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, it did avail to be circumc circum uh, the, the circumcision. That's why he says to his apostles and the uh, first great commission that he gave them in Matthew chapter 10, go not into the way of the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel is the circumcision. It's the sign and the seal of the covenant God made with Abraham. And in Christ's earthly ministry, he said, salvation is of the Jews, John 4, 22. He said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, uh, Matthew 15, 24. He made, he, he conducted his earthly ministry on the basis of the, the advantage being to the circumcision and, and disadvantage to the uncircumcision. He, he, he conducted his ministry on the basis of that distinction. Therefore, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I know that I'm in time past. I have no question about that. I know it. The early Acts period is the same. Peter in Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 is identified as the apostle of the circumcision, preaching the gospel of the circumcision. You see, it's not until you come to Paul's epistles that you find this statement that in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. You see, in the dispensation of grace, there was a change that took place with the ministry of the Apostle Paul, a change in the dealings of God that moved from what the Bible calls time past to but now. And the, now, neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision. Now, in Christ Jesus, we're all just one. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptized in, into Christ have put on Christ. Now notice once again, there's a baptism and it tells you what you're baptized in. And it doesn't say water and it's not anything about water in the passage. It says, for as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. My friend, there is no water ceremony performed by any priest, any preacher, any church, any person on the face of the earth that could put you into another person. The only kind of a baptism that can put you into Jesus Christ is a supernatural baptism, something beyond the physical realm. And that's why Paul says, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It is God the Holy Spirit who baptizes us into Christ and into his body. Verse 28 says, there in Christ, in the body of Christ, is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, you know that physically there's still male and female. Physically, there's still bond and free, Jew and Gentile. But spiritually, because this isn't a physical baptism and a physical uh, situation, this is a spiritual reality there, that we are all one in Christ People try to say that when you get saved today, you become spiritual Israel. But that verse says that when you get saved today, you, you become a part of an, of an entity in which there is no Jew or Gentile status. 
Well, if there is no status of being a, a, a Jew or an Israeli in the body of Christ, you're just one in Christ, and everybody's on an equal plane, how could you be put into a spiritual body of believers where there is no Jew and become a spiritual Jew, especially if you're a Gentile? <laughs> You know what that is? That's just religious hokum pokum. That's what that is. That's that. That's just uh, religious confusion. You know. You know. You know why you can't make any sense out of that? Because it doesn't make any sense. Paul says, "Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free." The freedom and the liberty that God's grace gives you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ—something you couldn't do before. Motivated by His love, faith which works by love, faith. Responding to all that God has done for you, a clear understanding, an intelligent understanding of God's, God's Word to you. Then your faith working by love, faith working, responding, motivated by love, by an understanding of what God has done for us in Christ. You see, grace motivation is what counts in the dispensation of grace. Not, not ceremonial correctness, not religious status, circumcision, uncircumcision, all that business, but, but the, a, a positive response to God's grace, to an, a, your response to an understanding of, of what God has done for you in Christ. And your faith, resting in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you, motivated by God's grace, by what God has done for you in Christ, that's how the Christian life operates. When he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where the Christ has made you free. You know, sometimes people say, well, if, if you preach all that kind of stuff, Brother Rick, and you talk about the liberty that God has given us in Christ, you're just going to teach people to sin and to live in sin and that it doesn't make any difference if they sin. And I've said many times that, um, you know, grace doesn't mean that, uh, that uh, uh, God isn't interested in good works. Uh, grace doesn't mean that God isn't interested in, 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 in producing good works in you. It just means that you don't get saved by good works. Uh, grace isn't against good works. It, you, you just uh, uh, do the good works for a different reason than you did uh, before. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, everybody knows that. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, the next verse, you ought to remember that one too. Ephesians 2.10 for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. See, God doesn't save us. He doesn't save us because of our works. He doesn't save us by our works. Uh, he save, We work because of who we now are. We have had a change in identity, and so the activities of our life get changed also. Grace is a is a is a wonderful truth that 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 serves because of the motive the grace motivation is the motivation of love that's why galatians 5 verse 13 paul says for brethren ye have been called unto liberty and oh can i tell you liberty is such a wonderful thing god loves liberty god loves freedom because god lives uh he lives the free life and we've been called unto liberty. We haven't been called to bondage. You haven't been called to, uh, to religious tyranny and rules and regulations to try to run your life so you can try to get something from God because you performed up to His standards and did the rules and had the regulations and you, 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 you dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's that the elders at the church told you to do. Now, you've been called into freedom. But, you know, freedom has a risk of abuse. It's an awesome thing to realize that God is willing to take the risk that His grace might be abused, but He's willing to take that risk in order to provide freedom for us. 
the freedom to serve. Brethren, you, you've been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You see, when, when, when a human life is infused with the divine presence of Jesus Christ, the quest for sovereignty is, is, is superseded by a compulsion to serve. And it's the life of Jesus Christ in us that accomplishes that. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Now, grace makes a difference in our lives. Paul says, the grace of God that, that, has appeared, uh, that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and justly, looking for that blessed hope. God's grace teaches the believer to live in the present reality of our identity in Christ. That's not a struggle to bring your, you know, your state up to your, uh, uh, up to your standing or your practice up to your position. It's just simply by faith to accept as true, literally, absolutely, this moment, the perfect place that you have in Christ, and thus to recognize and to reject as unworthy of your present actual character and identity your old self, and all of the things that the old self, the works of the flesh, would want to do and did and would want to do again in you. And we use our liberty, not as an occasion to the flesh, not to just let, let the flesh life reign, but by love, serve one another, by, motivated by, by an appreciation for who God has made us in Christ to serve one another. You say, Brother Rick, but what happens when a believer sins? Well, actually, that was what I was going to talk to you about today, and I got kind of thinking about these other things and talk a little bit about grace. So we'll talk about that next time in some detail. But can I say to you that uh, your, your forgiveness in Christ, your standing in Christ doesn't mean that sin doesn't affect you or that it doesn't matter. It does affect your, your life on a daily basis. And it can produce some negative impacts in your life on a daily basis. That's why he warns here. He says in verse 16, verse 16, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Didn't say the lust of the flesh wouldn't be there. Just said that wouldn't be what operates in your life. When you walk in the identity that God gives you in Christ, walk in the Spirit, walk where the Spirit wants to lead you. How does he do that? Verse 18, Galatians 5, 18, if you're led of the Spirit... You're not under the law. You aren't going to be watching your performance and your activities and, and how well am I doing over there. You're going to be looking at what God has done for you in Christ. And I've used the illustration many times. When you, when you understand that you are a saint of the Most High God, and as a saint of the Most High God, you see sin in your life, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you what Romans 6, verse 1 to 4 says it should tell you. It tells you there's something wrong in your life. You're living inconsistent with, you, with who you really are. You know, if you're just an old sinner, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, if that's what you think of yourself and then you see sin in your life, does it surprise you? Why, no. 
what else would you think a sinner would do but sin, fail? But when you realize that you're a saint of the Most High God, that you were a sinner, you were all those things, but now you're washed, now you're sanctified, now you're cleansed, justified, you've been set apart by God for the purpose for which you've been created. You're, you're, you're a new creature in Christ. You're a saint. Well, if you see sin in your life as a saint, what does that tell you? <laughs> Just go out on the street corner and talk to anybody walking down the street and ask them what they think about sinning saints, and they'll tell you quick, it doesn't make sense. They don't believe it's real. It can't happen. It isn't supposed to happen. So what happens when you see sin in the life of a believer? You know immediately there's a problem. It calls it to your attention. And rather than excusing sin, it, the grace of God teaches you to deny ungodliness and world lust. That's not who I really am. Those are the very things Jesus Christ died to put out of my life. Jesus Christ put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Those are the things he died to put away so that then I could put on his life and that it could be him living his life through me. So when I see sin in my life, or you see sin in your life as a believer, what does that do? It tells you, hey, I'm not living in the identity, in the reality of the identity of who I am in Christ, and those are the things that need to be put out of my life. And how do you do that? Well, he says, by love, serve one another. He says, it's faith that works by love. You don't go re-crucify yourself. You just stand in the, in the reality of the present liberty. You see, Calvary is the secret of the Christian life. Our faith standing in the facts of Calvary is what gives God the Holy Spirit the freedom to bring the finished work of Christ into our lives on a daily basis and for it to be Christ that lives in us. That's why he says in verse 19 of Galatians 5, the works of the flesh are these, and he lists them so that you can have no question about what's going on. And then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit... And then he tells you how that looks. You know how you produce the fruit of the Spirit? You walk in the Spirit. You live in the reality of the identity of who God has made you in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say to you, there's nothing more wonderful in all, the, in all of life than to have God's Word working in your life. As you walk, you just take your stand by faith on an intelligent understanding of who God has made you in Christ. And then stand there, walk there. And your faith, motivated by an appreciation of who God has made you in Christ, that's where victory. Quit trying to kill sin in your life. God did that for you at Calvary. Enjoy, rest in, stand in. By faith, claim as the reality of your life the new identity that you have in Christ, and let it be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me give you a free Bible study tape that will help you if you're struggling today with, with things to overcome in your life, and who among us isn't? This tape will help you. The tape is entitled, What to Do When a Believer Sins. We'll talk more about it next week, so you'll be here with us. But today, let me tell you, this tape will help you understand how to deal with sin in your life, how it impacts you, how, how you should respond to it, how to stop sin, whether it's outward fleshly things or whether it's attitude sins of the spirit how god has stopped sin's power in your life it'll deal with the issues of forgiveness and the victory that god has given you in christ 
and most importantly, it'll help you to focus on future correct behavior. What to do when a believer sins. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at the, at, at the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a, we have a rather uniquely designed three-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is, is unique in, in several ways. First, we, we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather, rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we, we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video. In other words, we, we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the, and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio. And I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God rightly divided and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me and we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 601. And friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that'll make the way plain. That number again is 888-535-2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. Maranatha.